Hello, I'm Rena Grobe, and I'm Madhvi Romani, and this is Misinformed, where we'll be talking about our latest internet obsessions. So, Madhvi, what did you get obsessed with this week? I was thinking about menopause this week because we're all getting older, and as women or people with uteruses, the next big step in our journey is. Menopause. So I started asking women, my mom, everyone about what this experience is like because we never learned anything about it in school. We learned about periods and that that was coming, but the fact that we're going to go through another really big transition soon is kind of not talked about at all, and I don't know anything about it. And then during the research, I realized I was using the wrong terms all along because menopause is only one day; it marks the one-year anniversary after your last menstrual cycle or period, and after which you're postmenopausal. But the whole transition period before that is called perimenopause. In the UK, the average age of menopause is fifty-one, and perimenopause can start in your forties or even in your thirties. So it's super relevant for all of us to know what the symptoms are. Everything that's going on about it, so that we can prepare for this and know about our bodies and what's going on with ourselves. Apparently, it wasn't just me that didn't learn anything about this in school. I posted in the International Women's Group in Berlin Facebook group, which is one of the best Facebook groups ever. A lot of women were saying, "Oh, I just I'm in perimenopause now. I didn't even know what it was until two weeks ago, or I never learned anything about it in school, or I had to even educate my doctors about it." And when I was typing on Facebook, just to show you how little importance is given to what is called, I guess, women's health or health issues that affect people with uteruses, when I was typing to Facebook, it comes up as a spelling mistake with an underlined red line when I write perimenopause, which is the actual proper name, and it's a proper word for the years leading up to when your cycle stops and your period stops and your postmenopause. So the medical establishment, being run mostly by people with no uteruses, have not shown any interest in the uterus or women's cycles or things at all. And I remember on a kind of side note, I read really recently, and we'll link to it in the newsletter. There's a super, super interesting article about endometriosis. So there's this amazing woman scientist. Her name is Linda Griffith. She once actually grew a human ear on the back of a mouse. She's been doing this research into the uterus, and what she said is that bioengineers have always taken an interest in tissues that regenerate and self-heal, and this is basically the uterus. It's really amazing what the uterus does. The reason that it just hasn't been studied is because most of the people who are studying this stuff just don't have a uterus and think it's women's issue and basically sexism. So this week, I wanted to address the absolute lack of knowledge about perimenopause and women's health. I think that a lot of the language that we use when we were discussing women's health will tell you everything you need to know about how the medical establishment views women. So. If you're over the age of 35 and you're pregnant, it's referred to as a geriatric pregnancy, and I think that this kind of reveals something super ugly about how we view women. Which, like, of course, every woman already knows is that basically your entire worth, your life cycle, is just dependent on whether or not you can have children or not. Which also would explain why I wasn't even familiar with the term perimenopause before we started researching it this week, because leading up to it is completely irrelevant to the medical community or to the world as a whole. It's just the fact that you can no longer have children, which is menopause, which is that like that moment when your period stops. That's only what's relevant 
not you, not the symptoms you go through, but how your body can be used to have children. This is why periods are the only thing that we are taught about, because it's when you start the ability to have children. So thus, that is in society's and men's interest, whereas menopause isn't. Yeah, super interesting. There was this article in Vox about period tracking apps. We'll link to it also in our newsletter. It went into the fact that most period tracking apps were based around two options. Are you looking to get pregnant? Or are you looking to avoid pregnancy? Like it's completely done through the male gaze of what the point of a woman is. What happened to this woman who wrote the article was she had an abortion and her period went haywire afterwards and the app just didn't understand it. So for her, she then had to erase all of her data on this app. Otherwise, the app thought she had a ridiculously long cycle and it just couldn't comprehend the real issues that women go through apart from pregnancy, not pregnancy, normal cycle. And also all these apps don't account for perimenopause at all either. So one of the main period tracking apps in the world is Glow, which was founded by PayPal's Max Levchin and four other men. In 2013, it raised 23 million in funding in the first year. And it made it clear that the menstrual cycle and it was kind of big business and big money. And it's also all pink. It refers to you as girls. It's just super sexist. There's also something incredibly heteronormative about it because the only two options are avoiding pregnancy or getting pregnant. But like, what if pregnancy is not even a situation that you're in? What if you're not sleeping with someone with a penis and you're not worried about getting pregnant? Yeah, and this also goes back to the fact that women's health or their full experience is not acknowledged or talked about at all by society. So I was talking to my mum about her experience of perimenopause, which is the right word. I actually asked her about menopause and she answered. She said, first of all, nobody told her it was coming. She'd had no education about it. She had eight years of this changing cycle during which she had really, really heavy periods, along with hot flushes and night sweats and things like that. But at the time, she had a blood count of five or maximum six, but she was still working. She was still raising two children. She was still cooking, cleaning, caring for her parents, doing everything everything else she was expected to go to work to function to do all these things whereas I feel like it's the same with periods if men had to go through this this would be a massive thing in society I was also listening to Michelle Obama's podcast she discusses this and she says yeah like with the hot flushes normally at this time you know in your 40s or in your 50s you are at the peak of your career Obama was working with a lot of high profile women at that time he was used to it because you know when they would just say oh I'm feeling really hot and he would be like fine we'll just open a window but I feel like it's a kind of taboo topic and we're often silenced or we're not encouraged to just talk about the fact that all of a sudden she described it as it's like a fire or furnace has been lit inside your stomach and you just feel so 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 hot and yet you have to kind of sweat through and do all your things and continue working it's in contrast i asked my mother about it and she said that she's always cold so when she had heard about hot flashes she was like yes finally i'm going to be warm and then she didn't even have them so i was reading an article by a doctor who says if you're a woman in your late 30s and early 40s and your gynecologist has not brought up perimenopause to you, you need to change doctors right away because that means that they probably don't know about it because even in most med schools, it's not common for this to be taught, which is absolutely ridiculous because how can it be 
that you are a doctor specializing in this field and you don't know what perimenopause is or you don't take it seriously or don't bring it up to your patients about the period tracking apps and all of these like women health apps actually within the last three years an estimated one billion of investments has been poured into women's health technology but it's not very pro-women as you can probably guess the so-called femtech market is estimated to be over worth 50 billion by 2025 but globally only 10 percent of invested money goes to women-led startups 10 percent and then of that, black women are the least funded group, which means that there's a, also a racial disparity. One of the things that, you know, we hear about the heart flushes and we ask quite a lot of different women about what their experiences were. My aunt didn't experience anything. She just stopped having her period from one day to the next. Yeah, my mom said something similar. She said that actually she noticed some irregularities in her period, so when she was at her doctor, she asked for them to do a blood test. Turns out she was in the middle of perimenopause. She just hadn't noticed. Yeah, it's totally relevant because actually even for women in their 30s could be in perimenopause right now. And the lack of awareness and interest in this part of women's health is astounding. Another woman said that she has taught a lot of German doctors about perimenopause because she had to educate herself. And a lot of women are educating themselves. So there are a lot of books and alternative treatments. I think a lot of women said that their diets changed. Just to highlight that, you know, it's all about perception and every woman does also have different experiences. One woman pointed out that once a long time ago, she was part of a singing group and one of the women in their group was going through menopause and having a lot of hot flushes. And she asked the man in the group who was hosting the week's meeting if he can open a door because she was suddenly hot. And she says he was a brilliant and vibrant man in his 80s and he smiled at her with a look that said, you young women are so beguiling. And that moment really stayed with me because now that I've started to have my own heart flashes, I notice how they make me feel vital and beguiling. And I have a moment of gratitude for that older man and that older woman I am becoming. She said, I really understood the importance and beauty of men and women knowing themselves as they are and appreciating each other as they are. And I think that's part of what we're saying is instead of hiding it, we should be actually talking about it, looking into it, supporting half the population is going to go through this in some way or the other. And I think the massive importance about being open about this, supporting women through this, is really highlighted by the fact that women at the highest risk of suicide during the years of menopause is due to a combination of factors. First of all, your hormones are fluctuating like crazy. And as you know, like when you're a teenager, you can get very depressed or anxious depending on your hormones. There are also physical symptoms. Like I said, my mom had a really hard time and you also have to maintain the stress of everyday life and you're not talking about it really. You're not, you can't go to the office and be like, hey, I'm on a really heavy cycle right now. It's not a thing that people do because of the taboo. And then also, I was thinking it's a real change in your place or how you're seen in society because like you were pointing out before, we are seen predominantly as baby-making machines. That's just the way patriarchy works, unfortunately. And so even if we've done all that, once you stop having periods, even if you've had kids by that point, they've grown up or you've got a marriage or you've acted as carer during all these years, I think it's a big shift 
in your place in society mm-hmm. and that big change could be disturbing or hard for a lot of women. I think a big indicator of the shift is the fact that divorces happened during these years. A study conducted by AARP found that over 60% of divorces are initiated by women in their 40s, 50s and 60s, which also happened to be during those kind of menopausal years. But then, on the other hand, so many women, all the women in fact, most of them, have said, it's great on this side of post-menopause. There are so many positive aspects of just being older, being beyond the male gaze somewhat, not having to people-please anymore, having this time for yourself for the first time in your life. Mm -hmm. There's a kind of feeling of confidence, the ease of saying no. Like There are so many people who are just like, it's great here once you go through this change. Yeah, my mom referred to it as freedom. The freedom not to have to worry about your period, about getting pregnant, about having tampons and all these things. She did go on to kind of elaborate that even though there is a sort of freedom that comes with it, it did make her sad in a way because she was like, it felt like the signifier of the last part of your life is starting now. I understand what she means with that, but at the same time, I think that that goes back to the idea of a woman's worth within society, which like, yes, age-wise, like, we're all gonna die. I don't know, I find this idea of attributing more value to your life as a youngin than to your life as an older person very odd. But I, I understand what she means in the sense of, like, oh, I'm nearing the end of my life, like, it's a signifier of that. A woman, an older woman, you're a croon, you're an old lady. There is no place for you in society. You've lost your worth. But we do undervalue this age as well in our society. That's part of it. Kate from the International Women in Berlin group said exactly this. I've seen menopausal women be made the butt of jokes with any problems in their lives attributed to their hormones. I hope this will change. But as we live in a fundamentally ageist society, I am not confident. I have a massive problem with the fact that in society, women's strength is always measured by how much they can endure. As a woman, how much pain can you stand? How much responsibility can you shoulder and keep going on as if everything were normal? That's not ever something that's put upon men. But as anyone who's ever had their period ever, the symptoms and everything that comes with it is so absolutely terrible and stressful. And we're just expected to carry on as per usual. And when you work in these female spaces, you sort of realize, and these women do just carry on. Obviously, we will all tell each other that we're on our periods. You just sit there with like a hot water bottle in your lap and you just get on with it. And women are so resilient in this truly amazing way that is both admirable and also kind of sad that we have to be resilient in this way. Absolutely. I just wanted to talk a little bit about HRT, hormone replacement therapy, which is just hormones normally prescribed if you are going through this and it's just really tough. So there are a lot of different sort of treatments out there and there's been a lot of negative talk about HRT, especially a study from 20 years ago that linked it somehow to cancer. But these studies were flawed Mm. and they were not carried out properly. And now they don't even use the same hormones as they did before. But it's kind of important for women also to go get checked up, talk to a doctor who understands, so that if they need to, they can be prescribed hormone replacement therapy. Because I think With the medical establishment in general, as we know, 
women's pain is not taken seriously, a lot of medicines are not made for women, a lot of medicines are made by men who know nothing about or who have not researched properly or have brought their own biases to the research process and therefore there's a reluctance on the part of women to go into hormone replacement therapy. But I have, as I understood it, for example, when your levels of estrogen drop significantly during menopause, it can affect bones and things like that. So if you do need the extra hormones to help you through this time, it will also help you to come through it without getting, for example, osteoporosis and things like that, and also balance any anxiety or depression. So if you are feeling those symptoms, it was really worth going to a good doctor and considering. It just reminded me because you were saying, oh, women just resist things and they just get on with things and they go through it. And I think my mom went through it and everyone... I spoke to kind of went through it without hormones. First of all, because of a lack of trust in hormones and the medical establishment. And secondly, because we're used to doing that in a way. We do it with our periods every month. Okay, we might take an Advil, but I know a lot of people do take pills and stuff to regulate. And it's kind of the same thing. It's not such a terrible thing that it's made out to be. It's a bit like when you know when you give birth and if they offer you the painkiller, I mean, just take that stuff. Going along with that, the amount of women who get blood clots from taking the pill is significantly higher than the people who got blood clots from AstraZeneca. It's still kind of expected that women take the pill and tells you everything you need to know about where women are viewed in medicine. So the term menopause was actually coined in 1821 by a French physician. Obviously, he was a man. His name was Charles-Pierre-Louis de Gardin. La menopausie is the French name, and it's just, you know, a thing to note that even menopause wasn't named by women, and actually the earliest references to menopause can be traced back to Aristotle, supposedly referring to menopause, saying it began at the age of 40, which also is just a lesson to all those women out there. Aristotle was out here giving his opinion on essentially everything even if he had no expertise. So I reckon we should just start giving our opinion on everything, even if we have no expertise. If Aristotle can be out here talking about menopause, we can do anything. Well, we're effectively doing that with this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I think that we're more informed than Aristotle, because we're researching. And I don't want to accuse Aristotle of anything, but I don't know how thoroughly he was researching menopause. I want to make that officially the new tagline for our podcast. Misinformed, more informed <laughs> than, than Aristotle. <laughs> and on that note, here are three things you can do this week to be a better person. Number one, talk about this topic with the women in your life. We need to really open up discussion about this and be more informed, share knowledge, turn it from a taboo subject into a subject that's really totally relevant to the whole of society, which it is. Thing number two, educate yourself. Read books such as Lauren Bryden's Hormone Repair Manual, Every Woman's Guide to Healthy Hormones After 40, or Maisie Hill's Perimenopause Power. We'll link to them in our newsletter, and there is a link to sign up to that on our Instagram and our SoundCloud. Also, if you have a uterus and you go to a gynecologist and your gynecologist has not brought up perimenopause, maybe it's time to find a new gynecologist. And thing number three, approach aging and menopause with a kind of positive perspective because we have heard from a lot of women about how great it is on the other side. As the writer Lydia Yuknovich explained on her Facebook when she hit menopause, my blood is my own. 
which communicates just how you really can step into yourself at this time. But also it maybe encourage you, if you're not at the stage yet, to start practicing that because it seems to be a wonderful formula for happiness. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you like, you can share your internet obsessions with us. Tweet us at the underscore miss underscore informed or follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed. You can also send us an email at misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. You can also listen and subscribe via YouTube. For news about the show or upcoming events and links to all our sources, references and other geeky inspiration, subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link via our Instagram. We are an independent, non-profit podcast. If you would like to show us some love, you can make a one-off donation via our SoundCloud or support us on Patreon at patreon.com misinformed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.